Hi guys and welcome to the um, ninth podcast of Africa Sports Unified. It's myself again, Gabriel. Um, pleased that you guys have tuned in or listening. And today I'm with um, a good friend of mine, um, Olukunle Karide. Do you want to introduce yourself, bro? Yeah, um, Olukunle is the name, um, the founder of Statmetrics. And we are a sports technology company that is working to improve performance data and video analysis for you know, youth players globally. So happy to be on the show. Brilliant. Thanks for being here. Um, we're going to talk in a bit more detail later on <clears throat> about his company. But um, once again, thanks guys for tuning in. Um, Happy New Year. I know I said that on the previous podcast too, but you know, it's good to say it again. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and before we get into things as well, I just want to remind you guys to subscribe to the website so you can be aware of when new content is posted. Also, rate us on Apple and SoundCloud. We're on all of those platforms. Um, engage with us. Again, the hashtag is ASU. Follow us on all socials. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's it. Go all at, exactly, yeah. All at oh. AS Unified. And once again, just to remind you guys that our event is happening on March the 7th. It's going to be in central London. Um, again, look out for the information on our website and on our socials, which we'll be posting. Um, but yeah, done with all the um, admin stuff, but now we can get straight into it. So today we're going to talk about um, uh, sports development and grassroots sports, and obviously how technology can be used to advance that, but we're looking at grassroots sports as a whole um, in general too. And I know what you guys may be thinking, okay, grassroots sports, what is that? And as we were talking about before, it is quite broad, it's a broad area. It covers um, uh, fan engagement, technology, um, players, coaching, uh, coaching and analysis. Uh, what else is there? Infrastructure. Um, yeah, grassroots. It's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty big, you yeah. know. Even like governance as well. Like all of that, the their structures and how they organize things, that all falls yeah. on, the, on the grassroots. But I think for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to probably focus a bit more on, you know, players and coaching and, and technology as well. But first of all, let's get straight into it. So why is grassroots so so important in sports, do you think? Um, I think grassroots is, for me anyways, the building blocks of yeah. any of any sport, even in society as mm -hmm. well. We can look at, you know, grassroots being the equivalent of a family unit. Yeah. You know, so in terms of sports, grassroots is really the foundation. So when we look at young players where they really start off you know in the, in the local community in your local park your local clubs yeah. so those are the what i consider the true grassroots where you know talent gets discovered or yeah. talent gets identified yeah. very early on so in terms of the emphasis on grassroots and i think we have to be a little bit more uh refined and say grassroots football because yeah. we could talk <laughs> about a lot of different sports and yeah. we wouldn't have enough time for it so in terms of grassroots football, um, there's a lot that goes on simply because football is easy to play. Yes. So anyone can sort of, once you've got a ball and a few people together, you've got a game going. Yep. So there are a lot of challenges that are involved in football, um, but in a, and as well as that, you know, it's easy to pick up. Yeah. So a lot of the challenges really has to do with Africa in particular, yeah. um, because over here we overlook the fact that there are 
different parks where people can just go and play. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have as much facilities mm. in on the African continent. Mm-hmm. So that limits the the sort of uh, development of grassroots. And there are a number of reasons for that. But I think we can get into that further on in the yeah. show. But in terms of my opinion of what grassroots is, is really the very beginnings of you know the the building blocks of of sport and and football in particular yeah um well said good overview um <clears throat> so of, of course within the footballing space so to say so obviously we have fifa who are top dogs top echelons um in in sport in football and in terms of their grassroots initiatives so i've obviously do a bit of reading they have a few initiatives, and one that they've had for a while now is called the um, FIFA Forward Development Program. Um, That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is a mouthful. I had to say it slowly. Yeah. FIFA Forward Development Program, which is basically an initiative. It's, it basically has a four-year cycle where if certain um, national associations, so like your Nigeria's, your Ghana's, Algeria's, if they meet certain criteria then they will be awarded um, a certain amount of money to go back into infrastructure, into education, refereeing, the women's game. But I read a stat, actually, one of the few that we can, I can find this subject, but I read a stat about the, the condition in Africa, and only 32% of the national membership member associations mm. in Africa have been able to access this fund. The reason being it's so low is because they quite a few of the other African countries just can't meet the basic needs for that. So like infrastructure, just structural things that they need in place, they just yeah. can't, can't access it. So that has a huge effect. I won't say I'm awfully surprised <laughs> that Africa hasn't really tapped into yeah. a lot of initiatives. Mm. Um, I think FIFA, to their credit, I know there's always a lot of bad news around FIFA, yeah. but to their credit, FIFA has a lot of good initiatives. Yeah. Um, but for Africa not to have really tapped into that resource there are a number of reasons some some of them being organizational yeah i mean we have situations where a lot of the member associations keep getting threatened to mm-hmm. be suspended mm. and you know all those factors contribute to i think a lack of focus sometimes yeah. because if if a if a sports association and in this case football associations on the african continent if they are focused and they have a long-term vision yeah then i think it should be a no-brainer to tap into mm. what is essentially free money if mm. we look at it that way so i think the the first thing there is these associations often are not organized and yeah. there's often internal wrangling yeah. as to okay who has who's the who's the um who's the chairman yeah. and, and so a lot of times the associations get embroiled in these little mm. petty issues yeah. that they kind of don't have a real focus on yeah. how to develop the football structure yeah. and the football pyramid within those countries. So it's it's almost a, a case of misplaced priorities at times. And the people that suffer are actually the grassroots. Because yeah. as you say, as we said earlier, they're the ones at the very bottom. Yeah. Now, for the players or the, or the people that have made it to professional level, yeah. they're not so much affected because, well, they've got to the professional level. Yeah. But the people that are impacted by a lot of the inaction at the very at the very base mm. is the up and coming youth players, yeah. the up and coming young players, yeah. up and coming coaches, mm-hmm. those that really want to get into the game. And yeah. we can get carried away and think everyone wants to play, but 
some people yeah. don't have the opportunity or the talent to play. So yeah. some people want to go into management, mm-hmm. coaching, refereeing. So all these other subsets of interest within football mm. don't get the 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 organization that they need to thrive. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that is a real shame because if a, if a program like this is available, yeah. then we certainly should be tapping into it. And I, I totally agree with that, actually. I was reading, with a, I was reading a article today that mimicked exactly what you said about, obviously, the African teams didn't do as well at the World Cup last year. Yeah. No one qualified from their group. Uh, I forgot the gentleman's name, but the guy was saying, if you go to maybe other um, international confederations, so if you go to like maybe UEFA or Conmebol um, Ball in South America, and if you ask them what their what their vision and what their plan is, they'll give you, they know their plan five years in advance. Whereas if you go to maybe a, a national association in, in Africa, they'll give you a, a wait and see. And it's like... I mean, <laughs> let, let's, not, let's not paint all African mm. national associations as visionless because yeah. that would not be true either because true. there are a lot of there, there are a lot of associations that mean well and yeah. you know they do have you know internal challenges and and again even the associations in the so-called developed world they still also have the internal issues yeah. um so i think i think a lot of associations in africa Sometimes they do mean well, and there are people within those organizations that mean well. But overall, there are a number of people still within the (laughs) same associations who have their own personal interests, and sometimes things can get embroiled, and then then the focus shifts a little bit. Um, And again, just because we don't see it on the website doesn't mean there isn't a piece of paper somewhere in a cabinet where it says, oh, 10-point agenda or something like that. So it's just implementing those things into action and being able to see the results mm-hmm. is often the issue. There's a lot of, especially in Africa, we plan a lot and we talk about things yeah, that should true. be done. But when the rubber really needs to hit the road yeah. is really where we fall short. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a shame because there are so many talented youngsters, coaches up and coming um, you know, on the continent. I mean, just recently, um, uh, the, the former coach of... Uh, this club in South Africa, a uh, former player, I think it was, he played oh, for Charlton. Um, um, ben McCarthy. Uh, no, Benny McCarthy is in uh, Cape Town. Um, so Kaiser Chiefs have just appointed um, one of the former. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But again, this is, now. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, these are opportunities that, you know, these former players have been getting to, you know, progress themselves. Yeah. But what we shouldn't forget is there are other coaches who never played at that high level. Yeah. Now, if things are not being organized appropriately by the national associations, then these are the people that suffer because yeah. they're interested in developing the game, developing players within local communities. So they miss out a lot on yeah. these opportunities that are not being... Uh, Sean Bartlett. That's the one. That's Sean it. Bartlett, yeah. So I knew it was uh, <laughs> Charlton somewhere. Yeah. So so that's just... The, that's It's a shame that there's money available and, you know organizing ourselves is mm. often where we fall short a little yeah bit. yeah and no i totally agree you're right um we done a podcast not too long ago about um it was a bit people thought the title was controversial but about the like human trafficking that goes on mm-hmm. you know the um the academy structure sure i mean it's great academies obviously right to dream and chigoli and malawi yeah. but academy structures in certain countries because the grassroots structure is in place there's a lot that goes that happens um 
and the yeah, players are not being yeah, tracked. So governing bodies just don't. It's not underneath their radar. Again, it's, it's, it comes down to information and data. We live yeah. in an age where information is, is key. So, uh, for example, in 2006, FIFA did the big count yeah. where they, they, they tried to estimate the number of people participating in football globally. Now, that in itself is a, is, is a really good initiative. And I think within each country... Yeah. and. I know we're going to focus a lot here on Africa, but mm. within each member association, I think there needs to be more done in terms of collecting data and information yeah. about who exactly is participating in football yeah. around the country. Yeah. Because again, trafficking, whether we like to call it what it is, mm -hmm. it's happening. Yeah. And we've read countless number of articles where kids have been taken to... Yeah far away countries in the hope that they're going to play in the Premier League and yeah. their families have been scammed of their yeah. life savings. So these things happen because, mm -hmm. one, there's a lack of information and, two, the lack of uh, structure in terms of how the academy system is meant to be in various yeah. countries. Yeah. I know South Africa is a good example of you know a country where they've tried to put in place a good academy system where you know the there's the Hauteng development league as an example in south africa where you know these youngsters get to play every weekend yeah um and the association is doing a lot to to broaden that within the country itself now if we contrast that to maybe the nigerian one where you only have the mpfl and the second league i know the national nationwide league is trying to yeah. get more youth players playing within the teams but again just more structuring getting real academy teams mm -hmm. playing regularly yeah that makes a big difference because a player will develop if they get regular games yeah. but if you're only playing tournaments it's it's kind of short-termism yeah. because if i'm playing a tournament i might play really well but if i'm playing a league then over that period of time i'll have my highs and my lows yeah. where i'll get to really improve because yeah, it's not yeah <clears throat> so i think a lot of times there's too much of the whole tournament system and a lack of overall yeah. yeah overall structure in making sure these guys are playing regularly yeah. and, and they're being showcased i know the, the uh, npfl tried to i'm not sure if it's still running but i know they tried to launch an under 15s league um i think this was back in two years ago now 2017 but but no yeah just backing up your point no, like, i've been i've been looking at the this i look a lot about the structure of you know, the different of, of different countries and yeah. the leagues that they have. Most most countries have obviously the main uh, Premier League, yeah. the equivalent. Uh, but below that, it's a lot less organized. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the UK as an example, there's almost fifteen tiers so or so many tiers, even down to regionals. Yeah. So everyone gets an opportunity to play. Unfortunately you know, we haven't been able to at least put together something mm. like that. Even if it's four tiers. Yeah. You know, just to make sure, you know, there's organization. Obviously, one major hiccup to doing that is you, leagues don't just spring up. Yeah, exactly. It needs funding. Yeah. So oftentimes, funding is the issue that sometimes holds up the development mm. of these things. Mm. But again, as we said earlier, if there are funds available from FIFA that can be used to yeah. kind of jumpstart these processes, then it would be silly not to take advantage of it. Indeed. It'll, 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 be, it'll be great. And even you mentioned the... Uh... The FIFA survey that they've done, Bigfoot survey. Um, the fact that we're talking about, you mentioned there needs to be more data. This this survey, probably, obviously the most comprehensive because it was done by FIFA. Mm. This was in 2006. 
Yeah. And I haven't produced anything like that since. Um, it was such so, a... so maybe that says a lot about football in general yeah. as opposed to just yeah. the member associations. Yeah. And, I, and I did look as well. I think the FA released, it wasn't one in detail, but obviously they released some information on grassroots, but other national associations, it's quite surprising how um, little like data there is in, in that yeah. area. But um, yeah. That, that, that's something that obviously my company is trying to address yeah. in terms of um, not just data around player <coughs> performance, mm-hmm. but for us to actually have data of, of the number of players that are playing yeah. in, you know, in different countries across Africa and yeah. across the world. So that's something that we certainly believe needs to be done and, mm. and we're doing something about it. Yeah, it's just good. It's good. Um, but yeah, talking about FIFA briefly now, <clears throat> and again, just trying to um, be objective in what we're saying, more concentrated on Africa now in terms of CAF. Um, similarly, they have a, I don't know if, the, if I can call it an initiative, but it had, yeah, it was an initiative that they had regarding um, development and grassroots. It was called the CAF Contract with Africa uh, Football Development Program. Uh, this was back in, again, it was another four-year period uh, where national associations were offered or enabled to receive $100,000 but again, since then, there hasn't been much information from CAF about um, initiatives um, that they are running, uh, excluding from what FIFA are doing in terms of, um, yeah, grassroots and whatnot. And again, as you yeah. mentioned, things could be in place, but going on the website and things like that is just not... Yeah, you, you, you can put as many initiatives in place as you want, but if nobody knows about, knows about it, it, then it's, it's pretty useless. Yeah. So... And again, information in the age in which we live in is often communicated through mm-hmm. your website. Yeah. And a lot of the national, so even CAF itself, it's really hard to, to find information at times on the website. For, yeah. for example, um, I'd read recently that um, the coaching badges was only just recently reinstated. So allowing coaches to to take you know their CAF A and, and CAF B licenses and you know, it was it was said that you know this had been suspended for about a year. Now mm. I tried to go on the CAF website just to see, okay, what is the process for you know obtaining one, one of those badges because there are seminars and and things yeah. that are run across the continent, and I couldn't really find much. So if on the national on the continental body itself, I'm unable to find information about something around coaching badges, then. It begs the question: How would I really find yeah. much in terms of the national bodies? Um, so, I think information dissemination is definitely something that Africa needs to improve on. Um, we don't really have an excuse anymore because yeah. a lot of the technology is there for us to do these things. Yep. So, uh, again, it comes down to the willingness and the execution part of it to to get everyone active yeah. and and doing what we should be doing. Because I mean. Africa has so much potential. Mm. I mean, everyone knows that. The analogy would be even a blind man can see it. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's just something holding us there somewhere. It's I'm converting not, the I'm potential, not, I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'll leave the listeners to, to make up <laughs> their mind on that one. Yeah, it's all about converting that potential. Um, all right, so we're going to take a little break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk a bit more about like solutions and hear a bit more about um, Kule's path into what he's doing and more about his uh, company. Hi guys, 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Africa Sports Unified, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or people you want to join us on the podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, AS Unified, across all platforms, or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. All right, guys, so welcome back. Um, so now we're going to get straight into it again. We'll be discussing how data and tech can bring a change to uh, grassroots. So, Kule, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, there's a lot of scope. Yeah. Obviously, I'm biased. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to obviously say that um, data and technology can provide um, a lot of solution. It's not a... Yeah. I don't think the, the solution is only a tech and mm. data one. Um, I think there are a lot of other ways in which we can improve yeah. uh, grassroots. I think society in general, we think tech will solve everything for us, and that's mm-hmm. simply not true. Um, but in football in particular, and we see it a lot at the higher end of it, we can see that a lot of technology has gone in into clubs because of the emphasis on winning. Mm. Um, so clubs now have all sorts of technologies around monitoring player performance, yeah. how they sleep, you yeah. know, what they eat and everything else. And that helps on the performance side. But if we bring it a little bit closer to home and say, how can technology and data help, you know, grassroots football in Africa, you know, simply knowing, you know, who the players are and where they're playing yeah. is a start, you know, because again, When it comes to the national selectors, you know, choosing who gets to play in the under-17s, especially if you want to promote homegrown talent, where do you find those those players if you don't know where they are? Mm. You know, so... That's so true. Those those games aren't really broadcast on TV, is it? Yeah, so, so, you know, if if you don't know where they are or you don't know which academies are based where and in different parts of the country, you know, that's a starting point. And... This could even be an Excel sheet. We, we, we don't have to all get into super high tech here, but mm-hmm. just having information yeah. you know, stored somewhere saying, okay, these are the clubs that we know and this is, these are the locations in which, you know, in which these clubs are and yeah. these are the number of players that they have. Just starting with that alone yeah. is, is a start. Um, so technology can obviously still come in in terms of then looking at the performances of those players Mm -hmm. and then you know that allows national selectors to really select the best players because i think if we look at the under 17s right there's only 22 players can go now if you if you take the example of a country like nigeria where we have 180 plus million people Mm -hmm. would we say those are the best 22 (laughs) players we have yeah some will argue that, I mean, I speak to a lot of friends who say, well, I know guys that can play better than that. Yeah. And that's true. But the problem is nobody knows where they are or yeah. how good they are. So that's really where tech can bridge that gap just by allowing us to know where these guys are, what they've done, how good they are. And also, let's not forget the other parts of what we've been talking about, the coaching side of yeah. it. So really helping coaches to have access to new ways of coaching players. Because as we can see in, in Europe and in the Premier League and other leagues around that we watch, the, the world of player development is mm-hmm. changing quickly. Yeah. And coaches are having to adapt. Even Mourinho got sacked yep. 
well, did he leave or did, did he get now sacked? He got sacked. <laughs> okay. Um, so he got sacked because he wasn't changing his methods a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's true. So in the same vein, a lot of players across the continent need to be coached by play, by coaches who are using new techniques. Mm. I remember when I used to play in, in Nigeria and, you know, we just get to the training ground, warm up and then do a couple of drills and that's it. That's that's <laughs> that's. But again... Obviously, this wasn't, you know, a serious, um, yeah. you know, endeavor. But at the same time, you know, if coaches don't know how to set up fun training sessions that engage the players yeah. and also get them better, then, yeah. you know, we're we're losing, you know, the interest of players and and the ability to to get better. Because yeah. if a player comes to training every training session and you're doing exactly the same thing every training session, mm. he's gonna get bored. Yeah. He or she is going to get bored in no time. And then you're already putting a ceiling on what their talent development could be. Mm. So, again, things like having uh, apps and, and other things yeah. that helps the coaches to plan sessions and then, you know, monitor how players are progressing throughout those sessions are a great way to, to get these uh, players improving as mm. well as, you know, exposing those players to, you know, to other clubs and, and other teams within the country not to talk of um, outside of the country. It's interesting you say that because I'm sure, well, for me in particular, um, when, you, when you think of grassroots, you may not necessarily think of, um, well, you may think of tech and data, but you probably think of that as, you know, top, top elite. But from our conversations now, I know that I've had it, is, it is very inclusive, you know, like it yeah. helps on all, on all levels. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be, I mean, sometimes we can get clouded because we see yeah. really high tech in Europe or, or, or that kind of stuff. But I think in Africa, sometimes we just have to keep it simple and, yeah. and say, okay, what do we need right now to get mm. us from where we are to a better place? Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, you know, it's the, the technology is already available. It's just a case of us adopting it. Yeah. And, and, and in some sense, that's really what Statmetrics is doing. We're bringing technology to allow, you know, First of all, the, the players to be able to evaluate their performance and also for the coaches to help them with that. You know, just understanding, okay, this is a video of your match. This is what you did right. These are the things you can improve on. And just having that information alone helps a player to review what they've done. Because if I'm your coach and I come to you and say, Gabriel, um, you 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 didn't play very well, you spent too much time on the left wing and you're a right midfielder and, yeah. and you are certain that you won the right wing. <laughs> You'd be like, well, can you show me evidence of yeah, that? I'm well, sure. I'm your coach. I saw you. You didn't see yourself. Yeah. So having information that helps reaffirm and you know teach that player that, okay, yeah. let me actually show you as opposed to just telling you. Mm. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So that really helps the player to put things in perspective and in context so mm. it, it's not it's not rocket science it's just putting the structure in place as yeah. we said and you know for also the the willingness of those coaches and and the players to also be open to adopting these new technologies yeah. and new ways essentially of of, of you know developing themselves would mm. be would be a great start as well and i guess since, since we're on that topic um 
you've obviously done a lot of work, um, obviously in the UK and also in Africa, and especially in, in um, Nigeria and South Africa. Am I yeah. correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, do you want to talk more about like your experiences and working in those markets and yeah. how it is and, I don't know, differences or whatnot? Yeah, so I think I'll talk a bit more about South Africa because um, that's really where we've been able to get the most buy-in at the yeah. moment in terms of um, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And and I think, as I said earlier, they they have a good sort of football pyramid structure yeah. in place that ensures that these youngsters play regularly. And what we've done there is to really speak to the clubs about how do we help the coaches um, with technology that helps them analyze the performances of their players. Now, yes, there are um, existing solutions you know, in terms of technology that already are being used by like big teams around mm -hmm. the world and first teams and so on and so forth. But a lot of the challenges at the youth level is one, can we make the technology affordable? And secondly, um, is it offering the right solution to them in particular? Yeah. I.e., okay, you're not kind of bombarding them with far too many advanced stuff because mm -hmm. it's, again, what we're not trying to do is to bombard people with stats or or information that yeah. isn't really relevant for them um so what we've been able to do there is to really understand okay for a youth coach that's maybe done their calf c or calf b what is it that they need you know to be able to do their job two times better just slightly better than they were doing it before mm -hmm. and that in itself is a huge jump and we've had a good reception uh, from the team obviously i don't want to talk in too much detail <laughs> i don't want to give away our, our trade secrets um but we've had a good reception in terms yeah. of they understand uh, what we're doing and they can already see the impact it can have on being able to help the players develop and to help the players see their performances in a different light yeah and again that's part of the education side of what our platform is offering because again you know if a player doesn't get better coaching, they can't improve. Or if they don't see what they've done wrong, they can't improve in the next training session, in the next match. And as you get more playing time as well and review your performance, you just get better. So that's really what we've been able to do <coughs> in South Africa so far. So we're also obviously trying to do that in many more African yeah. countries. So to all the listeners that are listening in other parts of Africa, uh, Statmetrics is the name and we're really... Looking forward to working with, you know, clubs uh, across different parts of Africa, not just South Africa and Nigeria mm -hmm. alone, but in East Africa, North Africa, um, and, you know, Africa as a whole. Because, yeah. again, football is our number one sport. And, you know, as Mo Salah and other people, uh, Mane have proved, there's a lot of great talent out there. Yeah. So it's just a case of shining the right light and helping them grow and develop. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Um, is there like a, a minimum age that you guys... Like age group that you work with or? Um, so we work mainly with, you know, right from, so again, we are part of that grassroots that yeah. we talked about. So we work with the teams from, you know, the youth level mm -hmm. right up to, you know, just before they get into the first team. Because again, you know, players don't just drop out of the sky into the first team. They kind of come through the academy system or the youth league and, and you know, different local clubs yeah. and so on and so forth. So we work right across that spectrum. So you could really say we are part of that grassroots yeah. infrastructure and we're leveraging technology to do that. Now, as I said before, 
tech isn't the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And there are other models yeah. that I'm sure you're aware of where, you know, academies are using uh, a sort of educational yeah. side of it to also address the problem. Now, Indeed. we're happy to work with anyone within that space as yeah. well. But yeah. like I said, tech isn't the only solution to it. Yeah. Um, and even touching on um, the educational side of things, um, there is an academy in Ghana, Right to yeah. Dream. Yep. Um, and another one actually that you brought to my attention that I confess I hadn't heard about before. Yep. Uh, but Chigoli. Yeah, I found Malawi. out about that thanks to CNN. So shout out to CNN. They do some, good, they do some good stuff, CNN. They yeah. do. In the African, <coughs> African continent. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, they really do it. I think Right to Dream is like, um, I won't say benchmark, but they really set a good precedent for how things can be if it's run well yeah. in terms of uh, an academy structure. So they have a huge a uh, plot of land in, in Ghana. Um, they have teams, I'm not sure what their youngest age group is, but they have quite a lot of um, different age groups yeah. where, again, they're involved in tournaments, so they're involved in tournaments in, in Europe and whatnot, but they have a great structure where the coaching, the education, yeah. if players don't, may not necessarily make it professional, but they could get scholarships yeah. to study in the US, uh, they still keep it in, in contact with them and they are helping them with life um, after if they don't make it into yeah. sport. That's a, that's a great model as well. Um, the owner of that is now the uh, is he the chairman or the CEO of uh, FC Nordjylland yeah. in Norway. Quite right? a mindful Yeah, I know. Um, but no, guys, check out that, their website if you, don't, if you haven't heard about them before. They are doing great things in terms of grassroots and yeah, just not, terms of, not just in terms of their structure but the quality of their players yeah. too. I think amongst the the non-tech initiatives yeah. around grassroots development, I think Right to Dream is definitely yep. one that has set the benchmark. But let's not forget, they've been doing this for a while. It's so, been a very long time. So, you know, they've they've invested, obviously, time in making sure they understand and they're, and they're very much embedded into the, in, into the Ghanaian fabric. Yeah. So, you know, so they've done a lot in terms of understanding where these players are and they've obviously identified education as mm. that important piece because yeah. as we know how many percent of players make it professional so again it's not about just feeding them football monday mm -hmm. to friday you know what's the fallback option yeah. i still maintain that football can do a lot more in terms of ensuring that players get a decent education which is why i still like the american draft system yeah. because it ensures that you know, at least the majority attend don't college. Have the grades you can't you go. Know, so yeah. it, it ensures that you have at least a fallback plan or an option to still continue down the educational route. Yeah. So I think the right to dream model and the Chigoli model, I think there needs to be more of mm -hmm. more of those across the continent. And and I think a lot of so personally I think a lot of the big philanthropists across Africa really yeah. need to look add those models yeah. and and sponsor some of those because football is just one of those sports that's able to cut across mm -hmm. age Completely. you know gender and and so many even you we've seen situations where villages are fighting against each other and yeah. when football comes on, <laughs> on tv yep. everyone downs tools and so i think you know just investing more in football alone can bring the, the the impact of that is is beyond just okay there's some players that can play and oh yeah. they might make it professional but just you can use football for things like bringing a healthcare awareness 
and a lot of issues you can leverage football to bring yeah. those into community it brings a good feel good factor exactly yeah. so you know when you just say football in a community everyone comes running so yeah. it's it's such a great platform that oftentimes it's not being tapped into enough yeah. so I'm just I'm putting it out there for the Aliko Dangotes mm. and the and the Mo Ibrahims. You know these are you know the the structure has been it's been proven by Right to Dream and Chikoli that yeah. these things can, can be done. So again, stepping back from what my company is doing, looking at what other ways can yeah. we solve this grassroots problem, and that's another way where mm. philanthropy could really inject some needed yeah. capital. To again leverage the the power. Of you're right. You're right. Um, we we are seeing it now. Um, quite a few. Um, we spoke about this. I think a few weeks ago as well. A few rappers and basketball players and even um, artists in America. They're investing in um, okay, like startup and tech, but also like esports teams exactly. and things like that. I think it was Drake and um, Soldier Boy. Yeah, investing in those kind of. Um, you know, sporting organizations. Yeah, so maybe Whiskey and David yeah, can, can start investing in you football know, as well. Because like, Africa is rife with, you know, philanthropists and wealthy yeah. people, you know. I mean, uh, w- the continent is obviously very creative. Yeah. And if if we're to, to delve a little bit into another sport that I know a little bit about, which is basketball. I mean, if you look at, I was, oh I was gosh, watching wow. the um, the rise of Joel Embiid, the, yeah, um, the Cameroon. And and I found that amazing that just a few years ago he was in Cameroon and you know he wasn't you know it wasn't a natural progression yeah. and now himself and and the other guy um Buamute the other guy that was playing at Houston Rockets I mean they've they've now started something in Cameroon to promote you know a lot of youngsters playing basketball now yeah. in Cameroon so just stepping back from football a little bit just. These guys able to play on mm-hmm. courts just yeah. makes you know essentially those those talents to be to be dis, to be yeah. discovered. You know, I know the NBA is trying to push a lot into lot talent identification that. across Africa, but just we don't need external mm. people to tell us this. Yeah. These are things and initiatives that we should be championing mm. within the continent yeah. in order to promote talent. So, I, yeah. I think the what's so key because. Um, I've done a podcast with Cynthia Mumbo. If you haven't listened, go and check that out. So she does a lot of work with the NBA as well. And of course, within recent time, it's become more like in media about what they're doing in Africa. But she's yeah. saying they have been there for so long, putting in the groundwork and not just bringing someone from America to come in and tell them how it's done, but they listen to the locals, employ them and let them you know, drive out their vision because they understand yeah. the market well. And similarly with um, uh, Right to Dream and Chigoli, if you have that that vision, that plan to bring something that make it sustainable, yeah, it, it can actually work. You know? I, I think and not just come in and you, you've touched on two things yeah. there, and those two things. I think one important factor is patience. Yes, because if the NBA has been doing these initiatives in Africa for a while, and we know that Right to Dream and Chikoli have been also been doing for this for a while, the 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 real answer is there's no quick fix, yeah. and I think. A lot of times, not all the time, um, we tend to get into this cycle of, okay, we do it now. If I don't see the result in a year or two, that means it doesn't work. Um, I think with anything that involves developing grassroots, there's an element of patience that has to be attached. You know, associations can put plans in place. 
but also people have to be patient and stick with it to allow it to really develop mm-hmm. and, and you know start to either churn out yeah. players or coaches or referees and so on and yeah. so forth. So it's also about us being a little bit patient. Um, again, if we're to look at things like um, homegrown coaches for the national teams, yeah. I'm a firm believer in giving former players a chance. Um, sometimes people are too hasty to say, oh, get rid of them. Yeah. They're no good. But if you don't give them the opportunity to do it, then why complain when we get a foreigner that comes in and takes all the money? So we need to be patient with Mm -hmm. a lot of these initiatives to really allow them time to, to, you know, to start bearing fruit. Indeed. Time for it to bear fruit and even just patience in finding the the right people to work with, you know? Yeah. Because coaches are different. Things may happen that you're not used to and you call it this, that, and vice yeah. versa. But as you, as you mentioned, it comes on the patience. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, obviously, the the, the way basketball comes yeah. comes alive in, in many parts of, of Africa. I mean, Cameroon have not, to my opinion, not been historically known for yeah. basketball. I know Angola has always been the dominant force. Yeah. Even if we look at Angola as a country, you know, we can't really see... You know, for a country that's won the 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 African basketball tournament yeah. for so long, you know, we can't mention any names that we know off the yeah. top. Maybe that's just that's us not knowing it. But yeah. you know, we want to see more more talent coming through Africa, more mm. coaches coming through. I mean, it would be great to see an African coach coach an NBA team. Wouldn't That'd it? be great. Yeah. So we've got an owner, an African owner of it's the Rockets, isn't it? Is it? Um, Masai. I think that's his name. Houston Rockets, Masai, I'm sure. I'll find the name. But yeah, Houston Rockets, Nigerian. I'm not Nigerian guy. He's from Africa, African born. And he's okay. the owner of a team. And he's doing amazing things like in Africa. He's really behind the push for NBA Africa. Yeah. He has something called Giants of Africa, where it just celebrates um, basketball, but gets a lot of the African players involved and the old guys too. Okay. Uh, who are from Africa. So yeah, they're really doing. Like, like I really said, I, I didn't want to touch too much on NBA <laughs> yeah. and basketball because that's not really my um, my strong point. But regardless, I mean, like I said, we, we have a lot of, um, you know, billionaires in the making in Africa and some who are already billionaires who can really uh, start to invest in sport because, um, yeah, Africa is ripe for, for the sporting takeover. Okay, correction. His name is Masai Ujiri. He's the president of Toronto Raptors, not Houston. Okay, Toronto so, yeah. Raptors. And they're doing really well yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Kawhi Leonard. I've, I've started watching basketball a lot more nowadays. Um, that was one of my goals to do this season, to watch a lot more NBA. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah. Um, and lastly as well, another area that we touched on is so important is uh, fan engagement. Yeah. Uh, creating data. Fan, uh, you guys can't see me, but it's a frustration, you know? You speak to a lot of, well, I've spoken to a lot of um, like these institutions over here. So your Deloitte's, um, PwC's, um, who else have I spoken to? Just a lot of those companies who gather a lot of data and do research. And you talk to them about the African market and they say it's just not, A, there's either no research or any, sorry, no data, or B, there is no data that they can rely on. Yeah. So and that's so difficult because you know a lot of these organizations want sponsorship, but it's like you have that data to to show yeah. potential partners yeah, about the stuff. So if if you don't have data, a lot of sponsorship comes down to okay, I'm not just throwing money out there, yeah, but exactly. I, I, there's an end goal that I want achieved. Mm-hmm. Now I need to be able to forecast this yes. or try and measure what the potential impact 
can be. Yeah. So this is where, you know, not having the data to enable them forecast these things makes them apprehensive. Yeah. Now, I'll use the example of during the World Cup when the Nigerian kit was making the rounds. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a lot of stories around how much the NFF actually made from yeah. that and how much Nike made from yeah. that. Now, we should have, and the NFF should have, okay, what is the value of our kit and what should the value of that contract be? Because at the end of the day, we should never sell ourselves short. So, And in the same way, when you, when you look at fan engagement and, and corporate involvement, it's not that corporates don't want to get involved. Yeah. They know that once you say football, everyone comes running. But they want to be able to know what's going to be their return exactly. for putting that money in. So if they can't measure that, they're going to stick to what they know works mm-hmm. because they have some background information. Okay, yeah. we put one naira or one rand into this campaign and this is going to be how many people yeah. it will give us or how many people will reach. Perfect. Yeah. But if they are to now start going into the unknowns where there's no information then we can't blame them for being a little bit skeptical. So I think, yeah, there there needs to be, and I think this is a great opportunity for Africa Sports Unified to really go into that space Mm -hmm. and and begin to really showcase and and provide some of this information and, and, and data that is useful for corporates who can really come in and say, okay, we don't know much about Kenya. They come to ASU to find that information and that data. So I think, you know, what you're doing as well is part of the solution. Mm-hmm. So it's not just kind of us talking about it. Yeah. You're also part of the solution. So I think it'll, there's potential there, but um, yeah, data and information yeah. is, is really key. And as you mentioned, patience. Yeah. We'll get there with just yeah. patience. We, we, we will get there, hopefully. Um, <laughs> we but will. Uh, we will. Um, so yeah, guys, um, obviously before we wrap up, um, I know we've spoken a lot about data and, you know, grassroots and, other areas around that, but I think it'd be good to just get a better idea of who, you know, Kule is, you know, the guy behind stat metrics and everything, how you got into it, what you're doing beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I'm a one-time footballer and, <laughs> or, or, or a dreamed footballer, if I might call it that. I've always wanted to play, but, you know, the opportunities never arose. Yeah. I played all the sort of local you know, um, local matches and local clubs and all the rest of it. Um, But yeah, my background has been in uh, financial technology. Mm -hmm. So I worked for a big um, US financial data company. And that's really where I got exposed to the impacts and the value of technology and big data. So I really got a good appreciation for what you can do and the sort of information that is being made, uh, decisions that are being made in real time using obviously data and, um, and, and fast information. Yeah. So, and I, and I always thought, okay, how can this, you know, sort of technology infrastructure, how can it benefit in, in, in a sport like football and especially in, in Africa as an example? Obviously the solution isn't just for Africa, but from where I'm coming from, that's really where I see the biggest, uh, one of the biggest impacts of what we're doing. So I really took that opportunity to learn as much as possible whilst working for the company and understanding how technology can add value. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, as you do, you, you kind of take the plunge and, and decide to, to pursue the, 
the idea. Now, for, for all those aspiring entrepreneurs out there, I must admit it requires patience. As I said before, um, different companies get to their product market fit yeah. at different stages. And, you know, so it requires a lot of patience and, and capital. And, and that's really quite important, being able to get the capital required to develop the technology, to get it out to the, to the teams as, yeah. we, as we're doing at the moment. And then, you know, having that patience to see what the feedback is. Um, so a lot of my work has really involved working closely with the clubs, both here in the UK as well as um, in different parts of Africa, just to understand how the solution can really make a difference yeah. to, you know, how the coaches work, how the players get you know, discovered and identified and improved and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So it's been a personal development for me as well you know just you know running your own company is hard work so it's it's been a fast learning curve for yeah, me as well yeah. so uh, but it's one that is fun because football's fun right mm. so i try as much as possible to enjoy it but yeah access to capital um access to you know talented people to work with you yeah. as well is quite key because um you know if you don't have the right people working on it then it can really break down quite quickly yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah i mean i think it's good to talk about this because i know a few quite a few of our listeners they are already working sport but again there's many who maybe work in sport want to get into sport or maybe not in a um traditional route you know yeah. nine to five job they have an idea they want to go about that um it may sound cliche but literally what do you think like characteristics wise you've you've learned or developed that's actually helped you to like you know push on with it with what you're doing um I'd say just putting myself out there. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you can't, yes, a lot of, in the past, companies used to work in stealth mode and nobody knew what they were doing and yeah. then they release a product and nobody really liked it. Yeah. So really putting myself out there, you know, discussing my ideas with investors and discussing it with other people within the sports mm. industry you know it really gave me a lot of early feedback and and more importantly just doing it helped us has really helped us to refine the idea because a company does not operate in a silo it operates in a competitive yeah. landscape so you know looking at how you know other companies within the industry what their target market is what are they trying to solve how is that different or similar to what we're doing so so that's all been part of what I've had to really develop yeah. more of a critical analysis of not just what we're doing mm -hmm. but also what the competitive landscape is yeah. because again um, startups yeah it's very treacherous at the early beginnings because again yeah you know you have limited everything so it's really identifying what's the most important what can you address today what do you have to leave to tomorrow so you do have to put all your skill sets together and you know bundle into one but yeah it's it's been a challenging but you know it's been a rewarding one as well so far but and then what made you take that that jump you know when you left your work and you said okay this is because obviously when you first started it of, it wasn't stat metric, you know. Yeah. It was there's an article actually on the website, um, Africa Football Accelerator. Yeah. So what actually made you take that jump from okay your normal job into starting that that venture? So the 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 idea really was based on the fact that football's been really slow to adopt technology, mm -hmm. both at the elite end yeah. as well as 
well, the grassroots end, if the elites have been slow to adopt it, well, yeah. you can you can pretty much tell what the impact has been at the grassroots. So it's really because in American sports, I looked at American sports and technology has been a huge part of what they do for a very long time. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, actually, Africa hasn't really tapped into that, not so much, or if barely... Yeah. you know scratch the surface and that's really where africa football accelerator mm-hmm. where that name came about where we thought okay how can we essentially accelerate the development yeah. of football in africa using data technology information and, and all the rest of it um obviously it's now moved into stat metrics because again having football in the name meant you know we're essentially limiting ourselves to mm-hmm. just football so we had to have a name that allows us to you know once we've conquered football to move into yeah. other sports Oops. as well but yeah just really the real beginnings was okay how can something that is already existing how can we use that to develop africa and yeah. grassroots football globally really uh mate it's um i can ask you questions with this like just talking about the journey but yeah. it's been it's been great. I hope you guys. Yeah, you've um, been a part it. of it as well. You've, yeah, you've no, seen that's me go like, through it a little bit. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. When did we we met? I forgot how many years ago now. I think it's like uh, late twenty sixteen. Uh, writing yeah, articles yeah, yeah, for yeah, True yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to True Africa as Indeed. well, actually. Indeed. Um, for giving me the platform. I, I remember one article I wrote, actually, where I wrote. Uh, it was the time when um, Mourinho signed Pogba. Oh, really? And I wrote an article that. They're not the right fit for each other. And oh. I still refer people to that article. It's, it's always good when, you know, I had a hunch that, I know we're detracting a little bit here, but I had a hunch that them two were not going to get on. Work. It wasn't going to work because simply Mourinho's too conservative yeah. and Pogba is very, very flair, yeah. more expressive. So uh, for all those interested, I can refer you back to that True Afri- for Africa article as now, well. Now I'll post the link at the bottom so yeah. you guys can read I'll, it. I'll pull that up. Um, but no, it's been great. Uh, before we sign off, do you want to just tell them, you know, social handles, how they can get in contact with you and everything yeah, like that? Yeah, you can obviously follow at Statmetrics on Twitter. Um, we're not very active as yet but yeah. obviously we, as we develop more we're going to you know be putting out more content yeah. out there um so at stat metrics on twitter and you can look us up also on linkedin cool and i'll post a link at the bottom um if you guys just click that it'll take you straight to the page but um Kule, really appreciate your time um, no it's been great thanks for having me no it's been great appreciate it and hopefully see you again on the one of the podcasts soon all right cheers thanks guys um Thanks for listening. Again, engage with us, leave some comments, um, let us know your thoughts. If you have any questions to follow up or anything like that, please let us know. Again, follow us on socials and subscribe to the website for newsletters and just to keep informed of everything that's happening. But thanks for your time, guys, and take care.